welcome back to Something Cinematic. This is episode number 29. 2-9. And... The big 2-9. Yeah, episode... Uh, wait, I just said that. <laughs> Something Cinematic is the uh, movie and television podcast where we talk about what we've been watching. And my name is George Lopez, and with me is Mike Gonzalez. How you doing? All right. So, uh, it's been a while since we recorded. This week... We're going to talk about a movie, a television show, or we're going to play a game. So uh, the first movie we're going to talk about... Actually, before we get started, remember that you can find all of our episodes on our website, somecinema.com. So uh, yeah, definitely check those out if you have not listened to the show before. You can also find them on iTunes where you can leave us a review and all that good stuff. So yeah, so let's let's uh, let's get it going, Mike. That's a good idea, getting this out of the way in the beginning. Yeah, because our data has shown that people tune out after three minutes. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> after three minutes. <laughs> All right. So uh, this week we're going to talk about Pacific Rim. We're going to start off by talking about this big blockbuster movie from uh, Guillermo del Toro. Oh, a little accent. Yeah. yeah. So Guillermo del Toro is one of my favorite directors. I love this guy. He's a Mexican director. Um, he's directed a bunch of really good stuff. Uh, most notably, Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth, the Hellboy series. I the think. Hellboy series. A lot of people know that. Blade Two, I think, is his highest grossing film. Yep, his highest grossing films. Yeah, uh, in the U.S. for sure. Um, but see, he's just a really, really good director. I know we saw. What did we see uh, at the uh, Chicago International Film Festival? We were lucky enough to see The Devil's Backbone. Yes, and we saw he was there too. Him and Ron Perlman conducted yeah. a Q and A, which was. Fantastic. Yeah, that was really great. As was you would great. imagine, he is like the most charismatic, friendliest guy in the world. Yeah. And Ron Perlman is every bit as scary in real life as you'd imagine. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, so we checked this out a couple of weeks ago. We watched it in IMAX 3D in Navy Pier. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness, because, uh, you know, it was a very beautiful film. Yeah. Um, so Pacific Rim uh, is a movie about... These gigantic alien sea monsters that are trying to pretty much take over the planet. Yeah, I think the word you're looking for is kaiju. Kaiju. They're kaiju. Kaiju. Right? And for those who don't know, the, the kaiju genre is a, is a genre of film unto itself, uh, which most notably Westerners would know it from Godzilla. Right. Yep. It's a huge thing in Japan. It's the idea of giant monsters. Mm-hmm. And most of them are, are kind of an allegory for nu- uh, nuclear energy, nuclear war, mm-hmm. uh, and, and those are the themes they generally carry on. The yep. Mm-hmm. And most of these animals come out as a result of that, but it, it's a it's a really big genre in in Japan, especially. Yeah. Uh, but it's something that kind of film geeks and, and Japanophiles like myself, you know, I grew up a big video game fan, so naturally I gravitated towards all things Japan. <laughs> uh, you're familiar with the term kaiju, and this film is really an homage to that, to the classic yeah. Godzilla film. Yeah, and uh, so Guillermo del Toro also co-wrote this movie mm. with uh, Travis Beecham and... Travis Beecham, who I only became familiar with on Twitter after this movie opened. Oh, really? Because he's been very active on Twitter mm. trying to get people to... Uh, to go watch the movie? To go out and support the <laughs> film. He want, Apparently they already have their ideas for the sequels. Oh, okay, cool. All right. So, uh, yeah, it was a really a really cool film. You know, like it stars uh, Charlie Hunnam. A lot of people know him from Sons of Anarchy. Who else is Idris Elba. Something else, too, Gracie, right? Because he seemed really familiar to me, but I've never uh, watched Sons of Anarchy. No, I think he's... Is that is that only... I, I mean, that's, that's pretty much only what he did? Pretty much if I... Okay. Uh, like, that's all I've heard. I've heard okay. he's a guy from Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, I mean, he seemed familiar to me, but I, I couldn't quite place him. Yeah, I, I don't think he's ever had, like, a major role in anything else, but... Uh, you know, it, started, it has actually a really good cast. Like I said, Idris Elba's in this, a guy I love. 
Uh, he's he was in the Wire. He's uh, the Wire. Uh, Luther. Luther. Incredible a BBC, BBC show. Yeah, BBC show. You, uh, have you can to check stream it, out. it on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, check it out. Very good actor. Uh, Charlie Day. Pe- people remember him from you know him from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. So he plays a wacky scientist in this. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a bunch of other really good uh, actors. Ron Perlman has a few <laughs> just a bunch of just <laughs> glance over everybody. Oh. It has the the irrepressible Rinko Kakuchi, oh. who we know yes. from the Brothers Blue. Yes, I was actually going to bring her up later too. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that yeah, like she's in this. She's great. She's one of the lead actors in this movie. You know, so 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 really good uh, good cast overall. The movie itself, what did you think about it, Mike? I loved it. I went into this movie. I mean, this had a lot of like pre-release geek hype. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, if you're if you're the type of person who follows a lot of like movie bloggers, movie critics, and different writers in that kind of sphere on Twitter, everybody was talking about this movie prior to its release. Mm-hmm. Everybody who had seen it before it premiered was talking about how great it was. It was the movie this summer. It was finally the one that came yeah. in and rescued a, a weak summer movie, yeah. blockbuster movie at least season. Yeah. So I was afraid, honestly, going into it. That it had been overhyped, and I was really going to be let down by it. Mm-hmm. To some degree, I was, because yeah. I, I feel like that hype sold it as something that maybe it couldn't quite live up to, in terms of what its goals were. But it didn't matter, because I just loved it so much mm-hmm. in the moment. I, I feel like it's a movie that knew exactly what they were going for, mm-hmm. and nailed it. Yeah. In, in just yep. every possible way with perfect casting and perfect implementation. Just trying to get at something very simple. But at the same time, yeah. people were talking about this like it was the next Star Wars. And uh, See, I don't think its ambitions are quite that high. Right. I mean, oh, this really not is, at all. I don't think so either. This really is kind of a modern take on the, the Godzilla kaiju type movie. Yeah. And it's a love letter to that genre. And if you have any, even the slightest bit of affection for that, it's it's I think it's perfect. I think yeah. it's awesome. Um, you see, I actually like... I didn't really pay much attention to all that stuff. Like, uh-huh. I didn't read too much about it or anything. I actually avoided most of the discussion it's about the movie. smart, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I didn't know there was that much hype around this movie. I actually thought it was more low-key. Uh-huh. You know, because, like I, like I said, I avoided everything about it. But I was skeptical going into it. I was mostly skeptical, not because of the hype and everything, because, like I said, I didn't follow that. But it was because of the name attached to it, Guillermo del Toro. This is not... A kind of movie he's made before mm-hmm. so knowing you know that he's made the hell hellboy series and and pan's labyrinth and all those really dark films mm-hmm. uh i didn't know how a uh, b- big blockbuster action movie would you know would would work out for him mm-hmm. you know so i was kind of skeptical about that even though i love the guy you yeah. know but i was still like very impressed you know it, it was such a fun movie to watch i loved it it was great one of my favorite movies so far of the year, you know, for sure. Um, the action was just great. I love the monsters. The monsters are really, you know, just great. They re- really, they look really gorgeous too, and mm-hmm. especially in IMAX 3D. Yeah, you know, I think, I think yeah, this is a film that really benefited from that scale yeah. of the IMAX screen and, yeah. and the, the sound and just that general experience because the scale of the things happening in this film yeah. are so large. Yeah, exactly, and that's what's what, what's good about it too is that it's hard to find a movie like this these days because everything is so everything is converted to to 3D now and. Everything is converted to IMAX just to make more money. But this movie is one of the few in the last several years that has actually given moviegoers, like, 
you know, like has made it worth their money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it costs so much to go to movies these days, and especially going to watch a movie in 3D, let alone IMAX. And 3D. IMAX, yeah, that that can so, that price can skyrocket pretty quickly. Yeah. So I think this is one of those rare movies in for the last few years that has that has really just nailed it. You know? Yeah, I totally agree. I mentioned kind of offhand on Twitter, this is the best 3D experience in a movie theater mm-hmm. since Avatar. Yeah. If you wanted a full experience, you had yeah. to see it in IMAX because. Everything about this movie is really big, right? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, seeing it giant, in the mon- giant possible- monsters and giant robots right. battling, you have to, you have to. And I was actually, I was trying to think of another movie in between this and Avatar mm. that was really worth it in in 3D IMAX. But yeah, I, I guess nothing really else comes comes to mind. Mm. I, I, I mean, it was the, maybe the, something the, the inside the cockpit. I mean, I may have. Cut, I think I definitely cut you off earlier yeah. when you were describing the plot of the film, and it's like uh-huh. you know, giant monsters come up on Earth. And we have to build giant robots to fight them. Right, exactly. And a lot of people took this and and you know to to a certain degree, rightfully, as like a, oh, it's a stupid robots versus monsters right. movie. It's like everything because Transformers you don't like, has left such a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Exactly. Wow. It has become like the icon that everybody holds up as what's wrong with summer movies. Right. And to, so to see like you know it's a big robots versus giant monsters. Yeah. It sounds stupid, and I've used this you know term before, but like. Stupid movies made by smart people yeah. are actually awesome. <laughs> right. And I feel yeah. like this does kind of fit into that category. Yeah, right. This is kind of a summer popcorn action movie made by exactly. guys who are really smart and really yes. put the thought into every little thing they're doing. Yeah. And it pays off in, in such a huge, huge way. It really I, does. And I, I think, love it. And like, as I was saying, those, those interior cockpit yeah. scenes where they're inside the giant robots right. controlling the in robot, 3D. Yeah. It just completely it blew me away, and that's why I figured this is a movie you have to see in 3D. Although yeah. I, I look forward to seeing it in 2D when it comes out on DVD. Or oh, definitely, and, yeah. And seeing if it holds up. Hopefully, it does. Yeah, I, I think it would. Um, yeah, I I think a lot of the criticisms that I've heard from mm-hmm. people are all those things that you would expect, anyways, from a movie like this. You uh-huh. know, like I said, acting like okay, like we mentioned the cast is great. They have a great cast. It's it's it. They're all really good actors, but I think there is a little bit of cheese involved in there. Certainly, you know the and dialogue is a little bit cheesy. That's why I wanted to mention the pre-release hype because people yeah. were building it up so much that I felt they got away from it. Like this is still at its heart a dumb movie, right? <laughs> it's just it's really it's it's made by smart people and great actors yeah. doing cheesy things, right, but exactly. they're great actors. Yes, that that's and kind of the point of the movie. That's what it's trying right. to do. That's, they know what they're what going is. for, yes. and they're not going for the French New Wave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, that's why I like when I've most of the that's what I heard. The criticisms that I've heard is about uh, that cheese ball acting and just some of the dialogue, and you know, just like the story's not perfect. You know, like you don't expect it to be. You it's know? very simple. That's another yeah, thing. It's I like simple. About it. But it's easy entertainment, and it was, and it delivered on every aspect of what you would expect from a big blockbuster action movie. You know what uh, I'm saying? Like, people love the Expendables, right? <laughs> Some people, I guess. I'm not one of them. <laughs> but if you, that's if you, what I would describe as a know, dumb movie made by dumb people. Yeah. So, like, exactly. <laughs> so that's like, you and know, that's people, why I feel it's important <laughs> to make a distinction there. Right. Exactly. So people watch the Expendables, they love it. But these aren't the same people that watch a movie like this. Some people, I'm not saying everyone, but like they will watch a movie like this and not enjoy it, which I don't understand. You mm. know what I'm saying? Uh, but it was a really fun movie. I, I really enjoyed it. It, it was. Gorgeous! I thought the the you know just the animation like all the CGI, the CGI everything was, yeah, was, was so was. good. It was really well done. Um, and and this movie really 
you can tell it's a Del Toro movie as opposed to, say, a Michael Bay movie. Because some people were saying, and I thought it was an interesting point yeah. uh, in the aftermath of the movie because it got such such critical approval from mm-hmm. uh, like the online community, the geek community. Yeah, and people were saying, well, what if this movie was directed by Michael Bay? Would would we give it the same benefit of the doubt? Would all the people like cheerleading for it be cheerleading mm-hmm. for it if it were made by Michael Bay? And it's an interesting point because. Yeah. It is, like I said, at, at its heart, a dumb movie. It's like a yeah. dumb action movie. Mm-hmm. It is, I think we both walked out of the theater saying, it's Top Gun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Top Gun yeah, exactly. with giant robots. Yes, we do. Yeah. yeah. And so you go back and watch Top Gun, and you, there, there are times when you roll your eyes at it. Yeah. And honestly, there were times when I rolled my eyes at this movie, yeah. but I felt like that was the point. Yeah. Like, I felt like that's part of exactly. the point. When the Russian characters are introduced... It's like they are such caricatures yeah. that it's like I, I, there were lots of times where I was like pumping my fist and it was like ten percent ironic, <laughs> but like ninety percent just I'm invested and I'm yeah. I'm gonna let the glee right. overtake me exactly. And I think that was a perfect comparison. I'm glad you reminded me about that, like uh, the Top Gun thing too, right? Where it was like because the it's film is silly. Top Gun exactly. I mean, it's almost literally yes. plot by plot point by plot yeah. point Top Gun, right? But like. <laughs> Yeah. But it's Top Gun with giant robots, and right. that's, that's awesome. It's way more badass. Yeah. It, just, it really is. <laughs> um, if you just want to have fun, like it, that, yeah. that's that's perfectly it. And another thing, like just to separate this from like a Michael Bay movie, too, is uh, I think that Del Toro has a way... There was nothing racist in it? <laughs> no racism, no... No sexism. I had a pause there, <laughs> but I don't think there's really any sexism in it. As, uh, you know, Michael Bay movies are just full of that shit too. Yeah. Um, but also, just like there's a little bit more depth to the characters too. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where that's an important part for me as a movie watcher. Like, I want to be invested in these characters too. And I think, well, see, that was one. I think that was also one of the criticisms of it. A lot of people didn't feel that was really. Much. I thought yeah. that was well because all more. the characters are. I say like every character in the movie is an archetype. Yeah. There, like, there is like the 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 the, the smoldering right. guy who's been through something that he's got to overcome. Yeah, yeah. There's the sidekick who is not quite given the respect, but then like comes up big. Yeah. There are like those Russian characters are the Russian. I would say the Russian and the Chinese are almost literally caricatures of what we think of as Russian and Chinese. Yeah. Uh, but they're also so, yeah. so cool. Like the yeah. the, the character design. And, and the art the art direction is so cool that you just buy into it. Like, yeah, I know this is dumb, but it's You're awesome. Right. You're right. And, like, I, I love the fact that, like, kind of the stereotype for the Chinese guys yeah. was uh, they were playing basketball. And, like, as a basketball fan, I'm like, that's awesome. Because basketball is, like, the number one sport in China now. And mm. not a lot of people realize that. Yeah. But, like, that's, I mean, that's something that, we can touch on in, yeah. in a second. Uh, just how, how much, like, this is an international film. Yeah, right. Uh, but I, I, I was just saying before, like, uh, how I felt this is a very much Del Toro film. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with Del Toro's work, like, all of his work, he has this kind of obsession with the idea of a monster. Mm-hmm. And you see it represented in a lot of his films. Obviously, Hellboy is filled with, like, these really creative, really beautifully designed, interesting monsters, mm-hmm. quote-unquote. And uh, you also see him Pan's Labyrinth with, like, different phantasmagoria, I guess what the phrase would be, uh, for his different, like, fantasy characters that come about. Yeah. And you see, like, lots of representations in, in all of his movies. Uh, the Devil's Backbone, there's, like, the ghosts and whatnot. The yeah. Spirit. Del Toro worked with Ron Perlman in the old uh, Beauty and the Beast TV series. Right. And yeah. that's kind of where their relationship started. Yeah. But even that was just about creating the, a monster or something, creating, right. like, you know, with the makeup and, and creating these really unique design monsters. And he has a kind of obsession with that. Yeah. And you really see that come out 
in the monsters in this movie. Oh. Like, every monster you see, even if you only see it for, like, five minutes, yeah. is so incredibly well-designed <laughs> yeah, that, like, after seeing this movie, I became obsessed with them, and I was, like, going online, <laughs> and you see, like, there's, like, a community that has kind of burst up around it. Yeah. Where people are writing, like, fan fiction and drawing, like, all kinds of really intricate fan art pieces mm-hmm. that are awesome. And I think the writer, Beecham, who, I, as I said, I started following him on Twitter, yeah. and he, he posts a lot of stuff on his Tumblr for, that art people send him, mm-hmm. or post on their own Tumblrs, and it's really, like, incredible. Like, this is such a world that you can mine, because these guys took such a simple story, yeah. and put so much into it, that it makes you want to explore it further. Like, the robots. The robots are so interestingly yeah, are. designed yeah. and so unique, that... You want to know more about them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people were talking about when they said, like, the Star Wars comparison. Mm-hmm. Because they thought, like, little kids might see this movie and, like, become obsessed with it in the way that little kids saw Star Wars and became obsessed with it. And create this huge universe out of something that's very simple. Yeah. Because Star Wars, I mean, the whole Star Wars universe was kind of perpetuated by the fans who were obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the writers wrote novels that expanded it and whatnot. Right, right. And uh, I, I feel like, I don't know if this has that potential. I mean, Star Wars is really, really yeah. a unique yeah. case. <laughs> In the history of cinema. But uh, I, I would say, like, I, I, just the love that those guys put into it and how unique they are with their designs and, and how much they put into the characters, both the bad ones and the good ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, if not the characters, because, as, again, I said the characters are a little rote and they're all archetypes. Yeah. But the character design <clears throat> of the robots and the bad monsters yeah. are, is so interesting. Okay. I'm glad you brought it back to that point because, like, that's where I wanted to touch on a little bit where you said uh, that – like people had a problem with Fallout, like they thought they were all like caricatures or whatever. Yeah. But I think, um, yeah, that's kind of like the same. Like when we were comparing Michael Bay to Guillermo del Toro, I think uh, as far as this movie goes, um, that Guillermo del Toro was able to make his main characters a little bit more, you know, like more full. You know, like they were more, they had more depth to them. Like the the, the main guys, you know, like he was able to set them up. Well, and they all had a backstory. He was able to deliver all their backstories. What was the main character's name? What's his name? Rally Beckett. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Rally. Be- I don't remember his name. It's, it's it's Rally Beckett. Well, I remember Stacker Pentecost. That is uh, it. Just Alba's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Mako Mori. Mako Mori. I don't remember the main character. And those I are, think those that are the main guys. Something. Okay, <laughs> but that, that, what I mean is like that they're. Nevertheless, you may not be able to remember his name, but like just that story, that backstory of him and his brother and stuff, uh, like that was able to help you invest a little bit more his in him. Nancy, who yeah. I remember his name because when I heard it in the movie theater, I'm like, this movie is so geeky. Uh-huh. I'm like forty percent sure that's a reference to Futurama. Oh, uh, <laughs> probably, huh? His, his older brother named Yancy. Yancy Beckett. <laughs> All right, so so I wanted to just mention uh, Rinko Kikuchi. Rinko Kikuchi, yeah, she's so great, man. Isn't she's she great amazing? I love she's her. Great. She was in the Brothers Bloom, like we mentioned before. She was like a pyro girl, <laughs> like yeah. a pyro. She was their demolitions expert. Yeah, she was. She was awesome. In Who that. I think had only had one line in the entire movie. But right, she was, she was like movie. one of those. Yeah, it's like she didn't have a lot of dialogue in there, but she was. Anyways, um, Babel. She was in Babel. She was in Babel. She was nominated for yes, uh, an Oscar for an Oscar, right? Yeah, she's really good. So like, I hope that. She will make more movies like American movies, you know, uh-huh. because she's great. She's awesome. I love her. So that you know that was great. So I just right. wanted to give her some props. <laughs> well, just the overall casting in this. I mean, Rob yeah. Perlman obviously was 
who, who was amazing in this movie. Like, when you see him, he kind of just steals the every... He yeah. sucks the air out of every scene all for himself. He does. Uh, but he is obviously a Del, Tor- a Del Toro classic. Del Toro right. always working with him. He, oh, he's boy. always in his movies. But also, like, Charlie Day... When you, and especially Charlie Day is, like, just a character in himself. Like Charlie Day and Clifton Collins Jr. I know Clifton you're Collins a fan Day. of him. I'm a huge yeah. fan of him. He's, a, he's one of those, like, great, great character actors. Yes. I don't know if you ever heard. He went on uh, the, another podcast, uh, the Slash Film podcast. Uh-huh. Where he spoke about his getting prepared for the movie uh, Sunshine Cleaning, hmm. uh, which obviously that Oscar-nominated film uh, was really good indie film. Yeah, uh, but he had one arm in that film, his character, oh. and so he he talked about like preparing for that role. How he like in the months leading up to that role just stopped using one of his arms. He tied it and wouldn't use it so that he can get into the mindset of his character. Like he's one of those super intense, yeah, like method actors, yeah. Which he, was like, and, he was fun. And he's he was awesome. Too, I mean, yeah. Obviously, people like I, who might listen to our show would probably recognize him from Scott Pilgrim. Right. He, was, he right. had a cameo the in the vegan that movie police. As well. The vegan yeah, police. Yeah. So, so he was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, overall, really fun movie. Um, you know, like 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 we mentioned already. Oh, you're done talking about it. Yeah, because sure. I can talk about it. I think we move on. The mythos of the mind melding thing is so. Yeah, awesome. that was really good. That was it's cool. So awesome. That was cool. All right. Yeah, I didn't buy into it as much as you did, probably, but I uh, it. it was just interesting. And you know what? Part of this might be informed by the fact that I have read more from the writer of the film because yeah. people started questioning it, and he yeah. responded to it. Like people were saying, like, "How did he not know?" There are there certain things that are revealed uh, about their mech as they, as the, the movie goes on. Yeah, and it's like, how would this be a surprise to one of the characters if he's right. in the other person's head? And as he explained, but they don't really go it, into explaining how these things work in the film. Uh-huh. They just kind of. Yeah. They give you a very a very cursory explanation of how they work, uh, without going too in depth. Yeah, and I think that kind of can lead to a little confusion, as he said. He said afterwards that uh, like the mind melding thing in the yeah. movie. It's not like you're in the other person's mind and know everything they're thinking. Yeah, it's kind of like a stream of consciousness, and you only catch certain things. Yeah, so you might catch what a person's thinking, but you wouldn't automatically know what they're thinking. Right. So. Yeah. So my melding thing, big part of it. Yeah. Which, but that's also really interesting. I mean, like I'm yeah. I'm really psyched about. The potential for a sequel, mm-hmm. and that's another kind of thing that has gone on around this movie, another narrative that has played out around the film. Right. And that is, as you mentioned before, this was kind of the first time Guillermo del Toro has ever gotten a movie of this size. Right. Uh, to be precise, I think it's a $190 million budget. Mm-hmm. That's a massive budget for a guy who has never made over, I think the, the most money he ever made domestically was $83 million, and that was at Blade Two. Okay. And that was, wow, that was really? a movie that, yeah, that Blade Two? Yeah. Wow. And Blade Blade was like that was an established franchise. Yeah. People saw Blade One, really liked it. So the fact that yeah. he's never and that was eleven years ago. So the fact yeah. that he never ever got a movie that grossed more than that mm-hmm. to be given a franchise or a potential franchise where the first movie cost a hundred and ninety million dollars to make yeah. uh, was a huge risk. And there was worry that it might not play outside of people who know who Guillermo del Toro is. Yeah. And that's not a, a huge amount of people. Like, that's not the general movie public. Right, I mean, this yeah, movie was definitely. kind of trading on his name because there were no other names in the movie. I mean, we love the cast, obviously, but it's a lot yeah. of but really, character yeah, actors exactly. and small, yeah. small, like, really good actors that, that don't have a name, so to speak, attached to them. Mm-hmm. So, when the movie came out, I think it grossed $37 million in the opening weekend, which was, depending how you look at it, I mean, it came in above what they projected it as, yeah. but they were also kind of projecting it low to protect themselves. <laughs> Uh, the, the fact that the movie opened to $37 million on a $190 million yeah. budget 
is a is is a is devastating. Yeah, it's like it a, is. It's a flop. I thought it was more than that. I thought it would have reached probably like eighty million. Yeah, million. it actually finished. It, it finished third that weekend. Wow! It finished behind the Adam Sandler movie. It was at a oh jeez, Grown Ups Two. Grown Ups Two. Oh god! And, uh, What's no, wrong what? with you, America? <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? And I think you? the second or third week of Despicable Me. Oh, so it, it it did not open well, and people were talking about it like it was a massive flop because. <laughs> The movie was co-financed by yeah. uh, Warner Brothers and Legendary Pictures. Warner's was only going to get half of the gross anyway. Uh-huh. So, I mean, for them, that was a, what, $18 million opening weekend? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a disaster. Yeah. So, the movie had to make, like, three, $400 million for them to make their money back. So, I mean, it started out really, really doom and gloom. I mean, this was yeah. a disaster. You saw the guys on Twitter were, like, Beach and, like I said, they were, were on Twitter talking about, like... Come on, everybody go see the movie because we already have the sequel planned. Mm-hmm. And we already like know what we're going to do in the yeah. sequel. And it's crazy and mind-blowing. And if you like the first one, you're going to love the second one. And then this massive flop essentially happens. Yeah. I mean, people were saying it was a bigger flop than uh, Battleship. That was the movie it kept oh, being compared God. to. Yeah. And, but somehow, miraculously, this has broken records internationally. It had the highest, I think, the highest opening weekend in China ever. Amazing. It, it, it's just... And I think it's opening, as I said before the show, I think it's opening in Japan this weekend right, or yeah. next weekend, yeah. which is a market you would imagine. I mean, this is really playing that kaiju, like this is a right. love letter to kaiju, right. and kaiju films are huge in Japan. That's yeah. that's where they originated from. So this is kind I, of yeah. amazingly turned from this huge flop yeah. story to kind of, it, it grossed over $200 million internationally already. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it like insane. That's crazy. Yeah. It's already $300 million. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And like I said, uh, you know... Obviously, it's just barely going to open in Japan, so they're going to... Yeah, you imagine it would do very well there. It's a small but, market, but, but you it's a small it market. Well. Yeah, it's a small market, but it'll But to see like this well. movie that like everybody was championing, and it, yeah. it was... Honestly, I was reading a lot of stuff where people were comparing it to Snakes on a Plane, where it was like, this is a, the online community has gotten really excited about it, uh-huh. and then that turned into like a massive failure, because yeah. it turned out that people who were joking about it online never planned to go and see it. <laughs> uh, well, this is a movie where everybody was saying it was going to be great, and then... Yeah general audiences, or at least general American audiences, didn't really go to see it. Now, it ended up grossing like, close to $100 million, like just about $100 million In the US alone. Yeah. yeah, over the course of its run. So, I mean, that's pretty good, but not it's not especially right. good. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it goes to the fact that, I mean, watching it, you can tell it's a very international movie. Yeah. Like, how much of it is, is focused on China. Right. In other countries, yeah, definitely, yeah. Right. China, all Australia, the all, different countries, all, the different, yeah. all the different countries. And even though the Americans are still the heroes. Yeah. It, it really does draw a lot of influences from other countries. And a lot of, it pays a lot of um, homage and a lot of respect to the other countries. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was expecting it to do well overseas. I don't think anybody was expecting it to do as insanely well as it has. Yeah. I mean, just to uh, shatter records in China. I, actually, yeah, I'm surprised too, because I didn't know it was going to do that poorly in the yeah. U.S. So this turned out, and like, it really, it went from being like this kind of little love letter that geeks would get and be able to hold on to, mm-hmm. but would also be a massive flop, to now actually being so financially successful that it could get a sequel. Like, it might get another yeah. 100, 200 million dollars sequel. I hope sequel, so. I, I would, I would, which I would love. Say. Yeah. Yeah. For, I feel like this is like vindication for the geek community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but it, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, we've like we've never seen this. We've, movies that have done well overseas generally do well here too. Like the yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean movies, who like as we, as they've gone along in the franchise, uh, the critical acclaim has certainly left them. Mm-hmm. But they still do like two hundred million domestically. Yeah, and then internationally they'll do two hundred million. Yep. It, it's really really unique to see a movie do 
not that well domestically right. and just, just do gangbusters yeah, internationally. I mean, we never really seen this play out. No one was expecting it. So it's really, it's kind of incredible and I'm really happy for Del Toro. And yeah. I mean, as a long time fan, as I know you are, yeah. I, it's cool to see him yeah, kind I, of get this I, I'm glad, Like I said, I was surprised too. Just like overall... The, the overall quality of the movie. Yes, yeah. this is. It's been like a crazy roller coaster. I mean, to see like the just the disappointment of them, like, oh wow, this movie was a complete and total failure. Yeah. To now, like, be <laughs> to just uh, as weeks have gone by, it's like just millions and millions are pouring. And, and you know, that's the thing too. Like a lot of people pay attention to box office numbers, but mm-hmm. they just look at the domestic numbers. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But it's like. You know, a lot of these movies do make a lot of money overseas too. Yeah, and the, in, in recent years, the international market has just become such a yeah. major. Focal it's, point. Yeah, definitely. I remember Ryan Johnson. Since we're on, oh, since yeah. we, we mentioned right. Brothers, Brothers Bloom, Bloom. yeah, uh, Ryan Johnson has talked about how different getting a movie funded right. is when you have someone like like Bruce Willis because he made Looper after really? those movies, and he said how it was such a struggle to get to get Brick funded and it was such a struggle to get the Brothers Bloom funded who mm-hmm. are both really quirky interesting indie movies yeah. uh, versus Looper because he had Mel- he had uh, I'm sorry uh, Bruce Willis yeah. because he said as soon as he cast Bruce Willis international financiers were just throwing money at him <laughs> yeah it's crazy yeah. <laughs> it's like it, seriously it, like- it's such a consideration overseas and that's you know some people say that might yeah. be a problem with uh, where, what the position Hollywood's in right now because yeah. They're making their decisions based on whether or not they can cash in overseas. Right, yep. Uh, and so it's true. affecting, you know, nobody's making $30 million movies anymore because you want to make a big movie that you can sell overseas. Yeah. You know, a little character a Woody, a little character drama is not going to play overseas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want something with a lot of explosions in it yeah. because you don't need to translate an And explosion. even international characters, too, that always helps, too. Right. Which so is like it, something that Pacific Rim has. It really saying. paid it's off in this case. And I'm just, Definitely. I'm really excited. I thought it was a really interesting narrative around the post-release kind of reaction to this film because yeah. I mean, it's, it's so unique and obviously to see it kind of come back the little, yeah. little train that could yep. the little engine that could train that so could. <laughs> Pacific Rim even though it's out of IMAX 3D now just still go check it out uh, even in regular 2D right I, I would imagine it was still it's still pretty enjoyable I'd imagine yeah, yeah I, mean, so, I, I haven't seen it so I can't I, yeah, I can't say so for it's a, it's a fun movie just I might go check it out fun. again go, yeah. go see the movie theater during the week it's five yeah. bucks yeah so go <laughs> check it out all right, so uh, next thing we're going to talk about is Breaking Bad. The show started in 2008. Um, it's a, a show that was created by Vince Gilligan. Right now, it is in the middle of season five. The finale, the last several episodes, are going to start this Sunday. It stars Brian Cranston as Walter White and Aaron Paul as Jesse Pinkman, uh, the two most notable characters. And the show, the main plot is. That there's this... Uh, is he a chemistry or biology, biology? He's a chemistry. He's a chemistry teacher, that a uh, high school teacher, that finds out he has cancer. And so in order for him to provide for his family, like to pay for his medical bills, and also, you know, to... Like when he dies, like he, he wants to make sure that his family is going to be well off. So he ends up starting cooking crystal meth with yeah. one of his former students. So that's like what the main... Uh, base of the show is and obviously it just takes off from there there's a lot of stuff that goes on um, we're gonna avoid spoilers yes. you know as hard as it is to do that want to make that clear now because I know yeah. George you had seen I don't know if you were watching this when it originally aired yeah uh, well when did you start watching it I watched um, season one and then I started watching in season two on TV oh okay yeah so like I, I pretty, I've been pretty much keeping up with it as the series has been 
going on TV. All right. Yeah, yeah. see, I didn't start watching it until after season four. When season four ended, mm-hmm. uh, I watched the first season on Netflix. Like, yeah. it had just been added to Netflix. And then I kind of just forgot about it as the first eight episodes. Right. There was a very happened. long break, and I kept urging you to go right. to watch it. Well, everybody show. did. I mean, like, yeah. and as I told you, it felt like. I, the way I treated this show was like it's like a fine wine. Like you yeah. know, I have it in the cellar. I know it's going to be great. Right. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind it's going to be great. So I wanted to save it for when I. I that was like a, a drought for me when I when I didn't have anything to watch and I knew there was something good. It, right. It's always nice to have something good in your back pocket yes. that you know you can pull out. Uh, yeah. This but now <laughs> with the uh, the the fifth the final eight episodes approaching, yeah, I actually uh, I want to like commit to doing it because I wanted to kind of get caught up in the, the zeitgeist right. of of watching it on a week to week basis with the, the whole kind of community. I mean, that's kind of this incredible thing that's happening in television right now with Twitter, especially. I would yeah. say uh, that live television has like kind of come back. Yes. Like you want to watch things when they actually air right. so that you can be part of the conversation. And that's something I wanted to touch on a little bit later too. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so I, just for information, for full disclosure, I, I kind of marathoned the entire series. I w- went back and rewatched the first yeah. season and marathoned it all over the next like, over the next week or two. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, this is one of my favorite shows right now on television. It's, uh, it, you know, like it, it's kind of like a slow burner in the beginning that mm-hmm. like we talked about, but it really picks up uh, maybe like around mid middle of season two. It starts to really kick off, and and uh, it's it's one of those that like like because it's a slow burner that that will reward you in the long run, I think. And mm-hmm. and uh, it's just a really really well done show. Um, and we were talking about the about it before the show too is that how all the characters themselves are just so well done. And like just how the transitions that they make throughout the show are just phenomenal. Um, you're totally invested in every single one of these guys, you know. And it's just it's one of the most well done shows I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm-hmm. It's just so good. Um, high praise. Yeah, it, it's it's extremely high praise, and and uh, it, I mean. It, it really is in my top three favorite shows of all time. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it's just fantastic. Aaron Paul is just an amazing actor. Like, <laughs> and like his character, Jesse Pink, the Jesse Pinkman character, is is just man, like so great. And he's one of the. I think he's probably. Well, you can't really say that. Okay, like Walter Walter White and Jesse Pinkman are probably the, the best uh, duo since Batman and Robin. <laughs> no, just like. <laughs> The the character like probably the two best written characters the two characters that have that that have like uh, grown so much in television mm-hmm. you know like like out of any characters I've I probably ever seen before like I, I don't know it's just like the, they're just so well done you know and mm-hmm. I, it's it's really hard to explain obviously without the spoilers <laughs> with yeah I mean it's really difficult but as I said like I was holding on to this as kind of like my fine wine show like. Yeah. And, and I, I realize there are probably a lot of people out there who uh, know it's good because yeah. obviously fans of the show just will not shut yes. up about it. Yeah. I, I've been on that side. Trust me. I know what it's like to not have seen the show and have everybody telling you you yeah. need to see it. Uh, but yeah. And so I, we, we obviously can't spoil anything because it would really kind of ruin the experience for people. Yeah. Uh, but there's a couple things that I wanted to talk about for, with this show uh, because it is, I, I would say it's in that top tier of shows and we've seen over like the last, you know, six, seven years, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of, like, really incredible TV dramas. Yeah. 
and I don't know where I would rank this among those. I would say it's in that top tier. Uh, you know, there there are very few shows there like The Sopranos. Mad Men, The Wire, shows people go back to all the time right. when they talk about like the great shows on TV. Those are and, probably the top three right there you mentioned. Yeah, right. Sure and, and so I would say this is definitely in that tier. Yeah. Uh, but there are a few things that I find really kind of unique about this show. Like all, all of those shows have kind of their own what makes them special, I should say. Yeah. And I think what really makes this show special is uh, one, the acting. Uh, Brian Cranston, amazing, is unbelievable. unbelievable. And it's incredible to think, like, this is the guy, prior to this show, most people probably knew him as the father from Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. Like, this really goofy character on a show that I really hated. I yeah. thought it was terrible. I, I watched, like, like one either. episode. Exactly. And, and then just seeing, like, flicking channels and seeing, like, for half a second, a rerun before I changed to another channel, I would groan <laughs> at its very existence. Yeah. Uh, but this is a guy who was, he was in an episode of The X-Files that Vince Gilligan wrote and directed. Huh. And that's how he knew him. Wow. And apparently, like, Vince Gilligan, from the, from to hear him tell it, I watched an interview with him on Charlie Rose, uh, where he said he wasn't familiar, he never saw Malcolm in the Middle. He never, so he never associated mm. Brian Cranston with that. Yeah. And he said he did, it wasn't until he, like, that he actually saw Malcolm in the Middle, and like, mm. oh, this guy does comedy, too? Yeah. <laughs> But to see, like, the guy who was known mostly yeah. as a comedic foil. Yeah, and he was in Seinfeld, too. He had a reoccurring role in That's Seinfeld. That's true. He was in Seinfeld. Yeah. Uh, he was a dentist, right? Yep. Yeah. The dentist that turned Jewish <laughs> for the jokes. Right. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Let's but, just uh, talk about old Seinfeld. <laughs> no. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, prior to actually catching up on this show, I'd always thought it was, like, a travesty that uh, John Hamm had never won... An Emmy. Right. Because he is, I mean, for anyone who's watched Mad Men, he's extraordinary on Mad Men. Mm-hmm. And he it's like really kind of subtle character and, and he, he does it so beautifully that you would think he should win an Emmy every single year. Yeah. And the fact that he didn't win one ever, he's never won one. I think yeah. he was nominated for five Emmys. Really? And I never thought he won, won one. one. Nope. Never? Never. Which is like shocking. Because he lost to Brian Cranston. Because he lost over and over again to Brian Cranston. Yeah. And but after seeing the show, it's like yeah, yeah, I get it. You get it, right? <laughs> Brian Cranston is really absurdly, right. insanely good in this show. God damn! There's one episode in the first season. I'll, I'll just say there's a there's a scene that I'll refer to as the intervention scene. Oh my gosh! That is unbelievable. Yes. That you it, you watch that episode. The pillow? You think, Was it the? One I don't know pillow? the name of the episode. I just uh, know the scene no. is the intervention. Uh, okay, scene. go ahead, go ahead. Uh, where there's there's an intervention. I won't go into details. Right, I don't right, want to spoil right. anything. But I will say. Uh, after why I remember watching that scene and thinking, just give him all the Emmys. Yeah. Give him like the technical Emmys. Give him the best makeup. Give him everything. He's unbelievable he in, the, in that show. Yes. Or in that scene and in the show, just in general, he's an extraordinary actor. Yeah. Uh, that, that, so that's one. The acting. Yeah. The other part is I think it's really unique the way they approach plot in this show, and we spoke about it before we started recording. Yeah. I feel like this show, unlike any other show, is about process. Mm-hmm. It's not so. It's not as much about plot as it is about process, which is, in any other show, you'll see two guys go into the desert, they'll cook the meth, and then the next scene will be them in the city selling the meth. Yeah. Whereas in this show, they go to the desert and they'll cook the meth, and then the next hour of television will be about them getting from the desert yeah. to the city. Yep. It's it, it, it what's incredible about this show is I mean it's kind of shocking and it, it, it perhaps a mild spoiler to say that the entire series takes place in one year. Yes. Or the entire that series is up like, to this point. You think so? 
I don't know. Uh, I don't think it is really. But okay. Uh, it's just, but it, it that I think is is what what's important about this show. I mean, yeah. the fact that every episode picks up the second after the last episode. Ended. Pretty much, the pretty passage much. of slime of time is passage of slime. The passage of time is really <laughs> slow. Yeah, and you really get into the minutia about everything that's happening. You know, if a guy has to get from one, if if they have to, if, if somebody dies, well, then yeah. what happens when somebody dies? Well, you have to get rid of the body, and then you have right. to do everything. You, it's you have very to do meticulous. Step by step. Yeah. yeah, the show doesn't cheat in any yes. way. Yeah, there's no smash cut to the yeah. problem being resolved. Yep. It's you have to be there during the slow, painstaking resolution of that problem. But they even, but they make those moments so entertaining too. You yeah, know? it's like so and get, really interesting. And the fact, yeah. like I said, it's it's unlike any other show. So that in and of itself is really interesting because you're seeing things that you've never seen before. Yes, you're seeing like well, on a, on a drama, on a, you know, yes. a crime drama, so to speak. You've never seen someone have to resolve these little minor problems. Yes. That yeah, when you think about them in real life. They would be a real, they would yes. be like a really big deal to get. Uh-huh. Like, if somebody dies, like, how do you get rid of a body? Exactly, like that's a really huge deal. So to see them kind of yeah. the way they approach everything on the show, they really approach the process side, and that's why I think it is like so interesting the show. And from what I've read about Vince Gillen, he, he's done like a lot of research into crime. Yeah. <laughs> so all of these things are kind of realistic. Yeah. There are things that they've actually taken from actual. And yeah, and they have talked. To, they have like talked to people that know about how, like how to cook meth too. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff that you see in there. Is like how you legitimately uh, cook, cook meth, except yeah. they leave a few major steps out, you know? Yeah. It's not instructional. But, video. right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they show a lot, but, anyways, the uh, one thing I'm kind of reflecting on right now as we talk about this is just like how I have been, you know, I have been in love with the show for such a long time, mm-hmm. and yeah, I've been one of those people that have been trying to tell you to watch the show, watch the yeah. show, watch the one show. One of those awful and right. people. And like we have talked about. Talking about this the show <laughs> on our podcast so, uh, for so long, and now that, here we are. And we now here we are. Anything. We can't spoil anything, but like you have so much to say about it, yeah. and like that's so great. Like to me, that, that like that makes me happy. You're like a proud dad. No, <laughs> you know, but it's like it's like you know the reasons why we never talked about it before is because you say you wouldn't have anything to talk about really. So like that's great. That's that's like right there in itself is why people that haven't watched the show should watch the show uh-huh. because like you can you will you will really 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 get captivated by it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like if you have not watched the show, I can't encourage you anymore. You know, like like I said, Mike just started watching it and he's like breezed right through it. Yeah, two, I was actually trying like two weeks. I went through the entire thing, and I was actually trying to space out the last eight episodes yeah. so that I would watch it. Like I'd watch the eighth episode on Saturday, yeah. and then watch the next one on Sunday. Uh-huh. But I just couldn't stop myself right. from pressing play. That's what happens, you know. Like, and this is, a, I think, this is a perfect show to marathon. Yeah, uh, because it is, it is a good a, show. Another actually. unique thing about this show is nothing is wasted on this show, apart from not cheating. Nothing is wasted. If someone says something, like there's a line of dialogue that's not said offhand that isn't like super relevant to what's happening right there, mm-hmm. it's a hundred percent chance it's going to come back later. Yeah. If someone it, there's a, the, the the theory in, in storytelling of Chekhov's gun, which is you can't introduce a gun, or if you introduce a gun in the first act of the play, in the third act the gun has to go off. Mm-hmm. It's the idea that everything matters. Yeah. Uh, so. It, this show, unlike any other show I've ever seen, mm-hmm. is of like kind of obsessed with that. Yeah. Every line of dialogue pays off. 
every minor character pays off. Every little plot point will pay off at a later date. And that's yeah. why I think it's so interesting about the show is it, it probably is a perfect show to marathon, mm-hmm. to watch all the episodes back to back. Because a lot of times, it happens with me with Mad Men, is I'll end up reading a lot of the recaps online where people talk about like what things mean and, mm-hmm. and the little things that you may have missed. And a lot of times there are things that are introduced early on that are kind of left by the wayside and they get brought back later. But if you're watching it on a week to week basis, you might not remember that. Mm-hmm. And this is a show that has so many little things introduced that come back later. It's probably good if you yeah. marathon it because I, I know certainly in my experience, you immediately remember, oh, that right. was that thing from five episodes yeah. that was in one scene yep. like that came back. Yep. And and that's kind of like uh where I com- like I compared it to the wire earlier too is right. just like how that were it compares to that too because like every single line of dialogue is not wasted in the wire uh, and and let me just tell you the wire is, is an amazing show itself too yeah I mean the wire so, for me I think the wire is still number one it, exactly on so so the wire is like one of those shows that people hold up <laughs> the only one know? thing I hate about the wire is that it's four three it's not sixteen by nine. Uh, so it's it's like yeah, the yeah, old the way television used to yeah. be. Yeah, you're right. You're totally right. Yeah, <laughs> and like oh, it bugs me every time, but it's still great. Now, nevertheless, sorry, yeah. <laughs> nevertheless, uh, it, yeah. It's one of those shows that pays off in every single aspect. Um, and I'm I'm rewatching it right now in preparation for the finale. Like I, I told you before too, and you know, like I'm you know, it's so great. Even like. Like I said, it's great on, on, on watching it as a, you know, a marathon, you know, like just watching them consecutively. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing in repeated viewing. Like if you've seen a show, watch it again. Watch it again and you will be rewarded the same way because you pick up you, – you see a lot of things that you missed too before and stuff that will relate to something that happens later. Like, you know, it, it's just such a great show overall, great for first-time viewing, great for re- repeated viewing. Um, and even though – like, don't feel discouraged with the fact that the show is going to wrap up soon. Um, you have plenty of time to, mm-hmm. to even catch up because – just like like Mike was talking about how like there's this big thing on Twitter and just overall on social media, yeah. everyone's talking about it. This is the kind of show that's going to be an event when it ends. Absolutely, yeah. It's going to be an event, the same way that Lost was. Lost was an, a big event when it ended, and so it's like kind of one of those things you want to be a part of. Uh, that final episode for Lost was one of those was just an, a great thing. People were having viewing parties. Uh, yeah, I'm actually kind of sorry I missed out on that. Yeah, and even even like the commercials, commercials were Lost driven. Uh-huh. You know, they were like Lost themed. <laughs> it's like kind like, of like it was the way that people incredible. make commercials for the Super Bowl. That yeah, Super exactly. Bowl. Yeah, it was like it was great like that. And I I promise you, like this show is like that too. You know. And especially now with social media, people are throwing out spoilers all the time. You're on Twitter. You're on Facebook. People are going to be talking about it. I guarantee you, like, you're, you're not going to be able to avoid a spoiler, even if you watch, especially that last episode. Uh, yeah, that's what you. I mean. That kind of, that played a small part in why I rushed yeah. you. Like, part of it, I just, I wanted to be part of that excitement. Yeah. And wanted to be part of the week-to-week basis. And, of yeah. course... I'm a huge fan of the A Cast of Kings podcast right. by David Chen and Joanna Robinson. Yeah. And they do a Breaking Bad one. I'm like, I want to listen to that every week. Right. But also, it's like, you're going... If you're on, like, Twitter, you're going to be a part of this. Exactly. Whether you want to or not. Even Facebook. Like, people... like I remember during the first uh, eight episodes of this final season, 
everyone was tweeting about this show, yeah. and it was like non like that magnets bitch thing. I kept yeah. hearing that like uh, retweeted a thousand times, people <laughs> referencing it. I'm like, I don't know what this is. Why is like half the people in my my, my stream tweeting about this? And then, of course, I caught up, and it's awesome. Right. But, like, yeah. you're going to be a part of this whether or not you want to. Yeah. So you might as well give in and watch Exactly. So show. so don't feel discouraged that the, that the last, you know, like we said, there's probably like eight episodes left or something. Yeah. And it's probably um, going to be like nine weeks. So right, exactly. Off to so, stretch it out. Exactly. So you have about nine weeks to prepare for it. And and like like Mike said, too, this is one of those shows when you watch it, you're going to be hooked. You're going to watch three, four episodes a night, mm. you know, and, and you'll, you'll knock out at least a couple of seasons in a week and a half or something. You know what I'm saying? So you have you have a lot of time to prepare for it. Um, you want to be a part of this finale. Watch the show. It's amazing. You won't regret it, I promise. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I just, I don't want to be like the, the crones harping on about you gotta watch the show. You gotta watch the show. Like obviously, I don't. I don't know if there's anybody out there who doesn't know this is a good show. There. I mean, you're, you're right, but there are still some people that who haven't watched haven't it. Watched it. I was so. among them, but I, yeah, I just like you know what? Check it out. It's gonna check be it awesome. Out. Check and, it out. And, and I feel like the way television has gone in the last couple of years, I would say I feel like in every like NBA watching the NBA is, has been so transformed by Twitter. Yeah. The fact that people are live tweeting and you have really smart writers making little comments about little things that are happening in games right then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think, I feel like Twitter has changed television to such a huge degree. Oh, definitely. It, it brought back live television. And yeah. I, that's why I think it's so – like I, you want to be a part of this. Yes. Like, it, it's going to yeah. be fun. It's, it's going to be, be fun, fun watching the episode yes. and then tweeting something and yes. watching, seeing what Aaron Paul tweets midway right. through the episode. Exactly. Like, it's going to be really Aaron fun. Aaron Paul so, is so like, great. Get in now and just like you know <laughs> get on the ride. Get on, get on, definitely jump on. All right, so now that we've uh, totally uh, gushed about Breaking Bad, we're going to end the show real quick uh, by playing this game uh, (laughs) that we haven't figured out a clever name for. But it's uh, we may or may not play a game depending on whether we edit out of the show. (laughs) Six degrees of separation, right? So you guys know the game, right? Where you got to you name an actor. And then you got to try to connect them to somebody else, right? You, right. You're probably familiar with the game The Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Which is to say you connect people to Kevin Bacon through six movies or less. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So what we're going to do is we're, we're each going to – like I'm going to give Mike a name of, of an actor. And we're going to call this Six Degrees of John C. Riley. <laughs> and Mike has to connect – Because a, we're trying to connect people to Charlotte Copley. <laughs> that would be way too hard. <laughs> but – uh so, John C. Riley is a guy. I'm going to give Mike a name, and he has to name five... And then Mike will say, uh, uh, for three minutes. <laughs> right. And Mike has to name, what, five actors in relation to this guy? I have to connect... Yeah, I, you you name an actor, and I have to connect that actor to John C. Riley through a series of films uh, right, that actors, actors have been in. Yeah, <laughs> they have to... At least four, right? You get it, people. <laughs> Whatever. Anyways, just Stop listen. Stop us along. You know <laughs> what the game is. <laughs> I'm going to start it off, okay? All right. All right. So, six degrees of John C. Riley. Your first guy is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. John C. Riley. We don't have a timer. <laughs> we don't have a timer. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> This is not a good start. This is a pretty bad start. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. And as I predicted, I have no idea. <laughs> Joseph totally Gordon-Levitt, just connect people. Just see people that he's been in a movie with. Joseph Gordon-Levitt <laughs> was in 
Looper with Mel Gibson. All right. And Mel Gibson was in... Or Mel Gibson. Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have a time limit? <laughs> your time's up. Oh, okay. Your time's up. That was horrible. Pretty that was horrible. That was pretty good. That was, yeah, that was pretty bad. 30 seconds. 30 seconds <laughs> time limit? We should have gone over this already. <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead. We, we got this. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> huh? Okay, oh, my, it's my turn now. So oh, it's your turn now? Okay. Alright. I gotta connect. Here we go. Okay. To John C. Riley. Your okay. first name connecting to John C. Riley. Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster was in Silence of the Lands with Ted Levine. Uh, Ted Levine was in Fast and the Furious with, uh, 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 <laughs> what's that guy's name with the bald head? I don't know who Ted Levine is. <laughs> No, uh, is he the guy? Who Vin, Diesel, Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel was in uh, Saving Private Ryan with Tom Hanks. Um, Tom Hanks was. In, uh, you got a time to go? No. <laughs> but I feel like Tom Hanks was probably in a movie with John C. So, Riley. It's a Tom movie, Hanks. Right? No, he wasn't. Was with. Uh, fuck. I think I, I think I blew it. That's your time. That's thirty seconds. <laughs> Dude, he's the time. <laughs> no, it's not. Here, okay, so it's zero to zero, right? All right. Zero. Oh, my turn. <laughs> All right. All right. Go. So your next one is <laughs> Halle Berry. Go. Halle Berry. Oh, okay. Halle Berry was in X Men uh-huh. with <laughs> Hugh Jackman, and Hugh Jackman was in. <laughs> Come on, this is I'm time about Come on, I'm done, right? oh. Time's up. <laughs> I felt like I was really on something with X-Men, because there's a lot of people in X-Men. Oh my god, I know. Uh, god. Uh, this is horrible. God. People should like people should play this game who watch movies. Oh, come on, go ahead. Alright. Number two. Your second guy. Uh-huh. Matt Damon. Matt Damon to John C. Riley. Okay. Was it? Oh, uh, shit. Uh, uh, John C. Uh, Matt Damon was with, uh, with, with, uh, I suck at this kid. Jodie Foster in Elysium. Um, she was with, uh, uh, Chopak Copley. <laughs> you really kind of made yourself into a corner. <laughs> fucking lost. Time. <laughs> God damn it. I feel like you're going to be with Charlotte Copley and then you're going to fight, like, connect Charlotte, Charlotte Copley to someone who's only in one movie. Oh, uh, shit. <laughs> this sucks so bad. I think my favorite part about our games is that, like, any guest we have can beat us in our games. We should, we should make it 45 Sarah. seconds. <laughs> 30 seconds is not enough. All right. Uh, all right. Are you ready for the third one? All right. I got to give you one. Oh, you got a new one? Yeah. Yeah, good This is a hard one. Lay it on me. Oh, it's it might, good. Be, it might be hard. Because the last two were too easy for me. <laughs> I answered them too quickly. I heard. Christina Applegate. Christina Applegate. Christina Applegate was in. Uh. Uh. Crap. What's the name of that long term relationship movie? Uh. Okay. Scratch that. <laughs> Christina Applegate. Yeah. Was uh. 
What's the name of Everything's blaming on me. I'm forgetting everything now. This is the worst part about our games. I forget things that I know. <laughs> oh my god. Like, by the fourth person, I'm not going to remember my name. Oh shit, here. Alright. Alright, let's go. My, okay. my third one. Your third one is Alec Baldwin. Okay, Alec Baldwin was with uh, uh, Tina Fey in 30 Rock. Um, Tina Fey was in Date Night with Steve Carell. That's a good one. Um, and Steve Carell was with John C. Riley. No, it wasn't. No, no. Uh, uh, Steve Carell was with uh, with Will Ferrell and and uh, and uh, Anchorman and and Will Ferrell was with Jesse Riley and Step Brothers. Oh, I got one. You got it. All right. Oh, I was waiting for the Anchorman connection. Yeah, that was a good one. All right. All right. Hold on. All right. Your last one. Okay, you have to get this one to win. All right. Or tie. To tie. This All is right. how every... I just want to point out. This is how every one of our games ends. You get one point and I get zero. Just so That's we're clear. That's not true. That's not we true. We need to develop new games. All right. <laughs> or uh, find a new host. All right. Host. Connect uh, John C. Riley with Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Okay. Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. <laughs> Just stay in the movie. Just stay in the movie. Liam Neeson was in Taken uh-huh. with, uh, <laughs> what's her name? His wife. I forget her name now. She was in X-Men. I've gotten us to X-Men. <laughs> that doesn't count. Was Jesse Riley in X-Men? <laughs> no, he wasn't. Okay, I'm pretty sure he played Psycho. You got ten seconds. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, what was he in? She was in Taken 2. <laughs> I didn't see Taken 2. That's the time. That's time. Oh, that was horrible. He was in Taken 2. Alright, I should probably refrain from mentioning movies I haven't seen. Oh, man. Alright, that's that's <sighs> it. We're done. Another good game. We're done. All Another right. good one. So that's our show. Uh, that was fun, I think. <laughs> I probably had way more fun than anybody else even listening to this. But, um, yeah, that's it. All right, well, thank you guys. I just want to smug people uh-huh. listening right now uh-huh. who guess it immediately. It's a lot harder when you're on it the line. It is hard right. when, you're, when you're on the line, like, you know, yeah, it, right. it is a little bit harder. Because I can, I can see that look on your face. Uh, all right. Well, thank you guys again for listening. Um, sorry for all my laughter. I've had a few <laughs> beers on the empty stomach. So, anyways, uh, thanks for listening. Remember that you can find out all of our shows on iTunes and our website, somecinema.com, where you can subscribe to both. And leave us a review on iTunes. We would really appreciate that. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us at, at Some Cinema. You can follow Mike at... At Mike Gonzalez. M-I-K-E-G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-Z. And you can find me at the Lopez 23 That's T-H-E-L-O-P-E-Z-2-3. And also, the song for this episode is the Breaking Bad theme. So uh, that's it. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.